Something is bubbling among women today. Women crave honest stories that entertain, motivate, and move them. Women want reinforcement that they are not alone in feeling the way that they do and that they can feel good about their prospects. Stories and Strategies for Women podcast will share riveting stories about amazing women. I'm your host, Claudine Walk. A good story well told is powerful. A good story can motivate. A good story can inspire action. Welcome to Stories and Strategies for Women. I'm your host, Claudine Walk. With us today is Ciara Stockland. She has owned and operated businesses since her early teens. As a serial entrepreneur, her business mindset and tenacity led her to opening her first store in 2006, which she then franchised. Her vast experience in both retail and wholesale industries led her to launch the first two-market wholesale subscription box for boutique retailers, which she built and sold within 18 months. Most recently, Sierra has launched the Inventory Genius, a coaching program for inventory-based business owners, and she's got a brand new book out, Pubs, April 6th in 2023 this year, also called Inventory Genius. Love it. Marketing. Awesome. Branding. You can find her at her website, Ciara, C-I-A-R-A, Stockland, S-T-O-C-K-E-L-A-N-D.com. And I'll have all her information in the show notes. Welcome, Ciara. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's so exciting to visit with you again. Oh, I'm so excited for you. So we, we have a entrepreneurial audience for sure. And when I read your book, congratulations, it's ebook format and print and you can find it on Amazon and I imagine some other online retailers. Yeah, so Amazon and then at my website as well. Perfect. Um, So you have a lot of really great tips for women in business. And I imagine that the things that you share can be applied to almost any business, not just retail, but it is a retail focused. So tell us about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So my son is actually, he's 19, he's going to be 20 shortly. He is an entrepreneur and a writer as well. He just wrote his first fiction that he published his fiction book, Watch It Burn. And he published that and he's a real estate agent. And I told him I read his book. So he had to read my book, (laughs) even though he doesn't have inventory. And he called me after and said, Mom, you know, even though I don't have inventory, there are things that made sense for me as an entrepreneur, because I really walk through financials and the basics behind business numbers. And so even if you don't have inventory, we all still need to know about margin. We need to know about expense and net profit. And that's what we dive into in the book. One of the things that I loved about the book was how honest you were. And um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and where that entrepreneurial spirit came from, and maybe the iterations of the different businesses that you've had and created, and you know why you came to what you came to in terms of trying to figure out how to make this business work. Yes. So I'm a third generation entrepreneur. So I've been around small business forever. Um, grew up, you know, helping my dad clean the bathrooms of his shop or the trucks of, you know, his business and my grandpa talking about business. So I'd always been around small business, but they didn't talk about the inner workings of business at all. I learned work ethic, customer service, those really important pieces, but never numbers, financials, um, profitability, nothing like that. 
when I was getting ready for college, I had already started a small business when I was 13 and that was going and growing. And so as college um, came upon me, I was just like, I don't know what I want to do. Like, what do I want to pay to do? And so I thought, I'm just going to stick with small business. I have this other business running at the time, a theater company. So I did that um, instead of taking the college, traditional college route. And then after I was married, had a couple kids, decided I was done with the theater world, the nonprofit world, and wanted to open my own store. And I just wasn't afraid to do it because I had always, you know, you just figure it out and you work hard and you rent a space and sell things, you know. So I opened my first business in 20 or my first retail business in 2006, built that, grew it, franchised it. And I knew how to do the outward facing actions really well, how to merchandise, keep a store clean, show up on time, those market, really good at marketing. But I was like, uh, accounting, I mean, I guess I could just do my own because that'll save me money. That's so many entrepreneurs do that. Like I'll save money in the accounting side, but spend it everywhere else. And just didn't know about my numbers. And so I grew chasing sales instead of growing chasing profit. And that cost me a lot in the long run, which I talk about in the book, like some really dear costs to me and my family, because I wasn't chasing and doing and focusing on the right things. And so after that business wound down, I ended up selling the brand at the end to one of my franchisees. I... I knew business, small business was in my blood, so I wasn't going to go to work at corporate or anything like that. I was going to do something on my own again, but this time I was going to do it differently with what I had learned, which was profit and time management and focusing on the right things was so much more important than focusing on the big shiny things. And so I built my next business differently and my next business after that differently. Um, and now I get to help others. Um, you know, hopefully avoid some of the hard, the heartache that I had. You talk about chasing sales. So say that to me again, that you, yeah. Yeah. Chasing sales instead of chasing profit. So we hear this a lot and it doesn't matter if you're inventory based or if you're service based. I mean, we all hear it. I want to build a seven figure business. I need a scalable offer. Like these are things we hear over and over. And it's very easy to fall into that trap because it feels so good when you can say, I built this. I mean, I say it, right? I had a seven figure boutique business because it sounds fancy. But what does that mean if you never take a paycheck and you have so much debt and you, you know, you're never on top of the profitability? It doesn't really matter. And so learning that chasing profit is much more important than sales just completely changed the way that I think about and focus on business. And it trickles down to so many things. Even the complexity and the hustle mentality goes away when you focus on profit. It's not about what that top line number looks like if there's no profit. Yep. And you get really illustrative in the book and show and I, I, why is it so scary for business owners to look at actual numbers? Because it really is only a few numbers that you have to yeah. know and understand. It's not that scary. I know. I think it's scary because we don't understand them. And so we either look at them and don't understand them at all, or we look at them and don't understand what to do with them. So I'll work with clients who understand margin and they know how to read a set of financials, but they have no idea what to do with that information. So then they just won't look at it, right? So they get their their books every month and they just shovel them away you know, into a file because I don't know what to do with that. My margin looks like this, but what does that mean? So what, you know, or I just don't know what to do with that at all. 
And that's really scary because I feel like I should know and I don't know. And so who would I ask and how would I even lean into it? I'll just go do the fun stuff. I'll post on social more. Yes. <laughs> so I can control that, right? Right. It's just what we do. Yeah. And so I try to demystify the number side of the business. It's not complicated. Um, it's just not the sexy part, but we can make <laughs> it sexy. We can have fun with it once we understand what it can do for us. So when what was the point where you kind of had your... Um, ground zero moment when you realized this just is not working anymore when you were in the retail business? Yeah, there were a few moments. One that I really remember like an aha line in the sand was everything was really wound down at this point. So I had cut all expenses. I had moved back into my little location, got rid of the beautiful corner office, all the things. I mean, I was really trying to survive. And I remember the moment when I was standing in the back room and I was with my two employees who were still with me out of 12 full-time and I had had part-time. So I had a pretty big team. So there's only two left in myself. And I thought, how are we all doing, we're doing the same amount of work with three people. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now we had sized down a bit. So there was a little bit less work, but overall we get so, um, fat in our business, like so much fat that we can trim off, right? Because it's just like we have cash. I talk about this in the book, like that, that book, give a mouse a cookie. That's how my business was like, oh, I have more people. So I need a bigger warehouse. Then I need a bigger forklift for the warehouse. Then I need someone to run the forklift and someone to manage the person who's running the forklift, you know? And that's what we do as the sales increase. We just keep adding expenses. And so that was a big moment for me. And I will never forget it. And I take that into all of my coaching what can you truly do with the resources you have? Everybody says like, there's nothing we can cut. You know, we, we, no, we can always cut. Like we can always find that excess to trim. So that was a big, that was a big aha moment for me. So, so growth for growth's sake is not a good idea. Right. And if you don't understand what the growth is producing, which I didn't ever look at, I never, like, honestly, I do not remember ever looking at profit. Oh boy. Like, I know. I just looked at the sales. I was like, oh, I'm almost at 500,000. Oh, I'm at 750. If I have X amount more franchises, I'll do this many more. If I might sit, you know, I was always looking at the top line and I was never focused on the the bottom. Like what, what was it leaving for me? Right. I just never, I never focused on that. And I would say the majority of small business owners, that is how they function. It's how they think. Yeah. So we have to change that. So how do you determine what you should be focusing on what does matter? Yeah. So when I work with a client, I have the inventory genius method is a particular method that I've created. So we start with um, my profit plan. So it's a, a framework that I use and it really follows a profit and loss. And it, it's a budget of sorts. So we start by looking at what does it cost to truly run your business? So we look at that first. What are your expenses? So no debt, no inventory if you have it, but just the true fixed op and non-fixed operating costs. Let's get that number. And then from there, let's create the sales goals based off of unit level metrics. So we break down the sales goal. It's not just 30,000 a month. It's what does that mean? <laughs> like what's that average ticket? What's the conversion rate? And then we look at if we make that sales goal with the current margin you have with what it costs you to spend, you know, to operate your business, what does that leave you? Are we happy with that? Are we not happy with that? I would say 100% of the time when I do this exercise, we are not happy with that. And it's just an eye-opening like, oh, 
wow, okay, I didn't realize that this is leaving me nothing. Or even if it's leaving me a little, with the debt I have, it's leaving me nothing. Then we go back up and we start to work on those different sections. So let's work on the sales. Let's work on the margin. Let's work on the expenses. And then again and again until we get the number at the bottom that we're happy to live with. And then we get going. And then we make decisions. And in the book, you also get into specifics. And we don't have to get into too many here. But I just as an example for what the reader could get from your book, The Business Owner, you get specific in terms of, uh, let's say a conversion rate, an in-store conversion rate. So just as an example, that that is also something that you're asking business owners to look at when they're considering the changes that they need to make to, to make themselves more profitable. Can you explain that? Yeah. So for the conversion rate example, um, yesterday I was visiting with a potential client and I was asking her a couple questions. She's doing all right. She has a brick and mortar store. Um, but just that same thing, like I don't know where all the money's going. And I'm a little nervous because am, uh, what's going to happen six months from now? Am I setting myself up for success? So I asked her a couple questions and I said, do you track your customers that come in? She doesn't. Hey, we're going to start. Super simple. We don't need complicated tech. I just want you to tally every potential buyer when they walk in. And then I want you to look at how many of them made a purchase and let's aim for 70%. So out of every 10 that come in, seven of them are buying something. If that's lower, we now have a plan. We can make a plan. If it's higher, great. Then that's not really our problem. We're selling to people. Maybe we don't have enough inventory or maybe we're not selling them enough. So it gives us a starting point. And I love those individual metrics because it gives owners something tangible to like focus on. Otherwise, we're just out, like, I can't make my sales goals. I don't know what's happening. Okay, well, let's focus on this first. And then we can move on to other focus points. I love that because it is something simple. And it's something that that at least you you can feel some control over. Yeah, for sure. And it's really eye opening. I had another client who had never tracked customers and she's like, oh, I'm, but we we do a great job. And then she tracked them and she emailed me, oh my goodness, Sierra, we're nowhere near, nowhere near. So now I'm going to make some employee training. I'm going to re-merchandise. Now we have a focus that's a right focus in the store. And you don't need a complicated point of sale, you no. know, software package to do that. No. And we don't have to wait till things are perfect. I talk about this in the book because I get a lot of pushback. Well, you know, all the excuses why we can't. Well, then, you know, my employees will forget or we'll count people twice. Yes, all those things will happen. But the data is going to be better than what you have now, which is no data. So let's at least start and then we can perfect the way that we do it. We can get complicated with tech and things if we want. But let's start today. I heard a coach say once, and I love this, let's start producing some B work instead of waiting for A plus work. Because if we wait for our A plus work, we're never going to get things done. If we just start producing that B work, we're going to get that out there to the world. And from that, we can learn how to create the A plus work. And I love that. I do too. I think it's that's great. So um, we're speaking with Sierra Stockland. And she has her brand new book out, Inventory Genius Method, which you can find wherever you buy books online, ebook, and there's an audio version as well. Yes. Which is exciting. Yes. And it's your voice. I know. It is. How yeah. Comforting. I thought I might as well read, you know. Yeah. Might as well read it. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, so what else do you offer in terms of so that so you don't own a retail store right now? This is this is the focus. So you also have a consulting practice? Yes. So I work through the inventory genius method. Um, really in one way with my clients. So they come in, 
Um, I onboard them. We spend a full day together diving into whatever messiness we need to dive into. Um, and you know, I was just visiting with a brand new client this morning, actually. And she said, it's so nice to just say it. Yeah. Like she was just telling me, here's what I have in debt. Here's what I owe in sales tax. Here's how much I owe in this. And she said, it's so nice to finally just be honest and just say it. And so we just dive into that. Sometimes people don't have any debt, but they're like, I want to get ready to sell my business. How can I make it more profitable? Or I'm ready to scale. Should I? Whatever that looks like, we just dive into that for a day. And then we work together month after month with our profit plan, our profit roadmap, our open to buy budget, and just have that accountability and that that one-on-one coaching that we all want, that profit strategy. Absolutely. Okay. So where can people find you if they're interested in that type of service for you? Um, they can just go to sierrastockland.com and there's a they can fill out a profit strategy, get a profit strategy call, just jump on a call with them, kind of digest their business a bit, give them some tips and tricks, and then let them know what I have to offer if they want to move on um, with some more help. Fantastic. So uh, I also wanted to ask you about your um, the other thing that you do with your time. Um, I, Iron Man? Is that what yes. it is? Tell us about yes. that. Holy mackerel. Yes. I know. It's so exciting. So I have one coming up here in two and a half weeks. So this is my last big volume week of training. Um, but this will be my third Ironman. And I just really enjoy it. So it's a two and a half mile swim, and then a 112 mile bike ride, and then a full marathon. And we have to complete it in under 17 hours. So it's a long day. Um, but I my goal every time is to do a little bit better than the last time. And it just pushes me. Um, it pushes me to work through a lot of mind muscle growth. Um, There's a lot of mind work you have to do when you're out by yourself training or racing. And so yeah, I just enjoy it. it gives me something to do now that my kids are adults and they're on their way and doing their own thing. That's awesome. Congratulations. Now, now I'm going to ask Thanks. a very ignorant question of this, but is it does every state have an Ironman competition? Or is it in one place and everybody goes to that? Um, no, there's different locations. Not every state hosts it. Um, some states have multiple, but and they're all around the world. So you can just find every course is a little different. So I'll be in Texas, which I like because it's flat, but it's also hot. You know, so you just have to do I want flat? Do I want hilly? Do I want hot? Do I want um, everything is open water? So some are ocean swims, some are river swims, some are lake swims. So you can kind of look at the course and decide, you know, what you're interested in and then book yourself and start training. And eating a lot of carbs. That's the fun part. I can have all the pasta and bread that I want. Yeah, your body's probably like, what is going on here? We're hungry again. Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thanks. And so and the book is being released um, August 6. So by the time this airs, it will be out and ready to be purchased. Tell us about that process, if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. So like I mentioned, my son is an author. He's written several books. This is the first he's published. And I was telling him, you know, I want to write a book. I was telling him this um, this past fall, last fall. And I said, I think over Christmas break, I'm going to start writing. And he said, Mom, if you have something to say, you need to start. You know, and it's so fun to see as your kids grow up and then they can challenge you. Yes. Um, he said, start writing. Why would you wait? Just, you know. So I thought, okay. So I just sat down. And as I started writing, all my clients' stories and the wins they were having and my story 
and the winds and they just started coming and flowing. And so was able to write that. And then I decided I wanted to self-publish. It's so easy now to do so many things. And I wanted to control the timeline and just, I wanted to just control the project. So um, yeah, so I hired an editor to correct all my grammar and spelling <laughs> and make everything nice and smooth and a designer to make it beautiful and then self-published on Amazon. Oh, good for you. Okay. And it is also a print-on-demand book. Correct. Fabulous. Good for you. So you you found the the process of publishing not too horrific. I did. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't too hard. I don't know. I do a lot of crazy things though. I feel like you can conquer. I had, you know, my son had published his, so I could ask him some things and my editor, you know, was able to answer questions for me. So I'm always loving to connect with smart people who have done things before me. And so I had, you know, kind of my library of people that I could refer back to and, and they helped me and it wasn't too painful at all. So you mentioned that you have a uh, background in marketing. How did that help you with marketing your book? Um, I think just knowing you just have to get out there and ask, you know, just even connecting with you like, hey, we had a great conversation before, would you like to chat again, right? So I think if you're a small business owner, and I know a lot of your listeners are, you have to be your own PR firm, you need to be your own best advocate. And so just asking, telling your story, you get a lot of no's, you get a lot of people that don't even respond. But for all of that, you meet really amazing people who are looking for a story to tell, or who would love to connect you with their network. And the more you do it, the less scary that marketing ask becomes. Um, and then I think just thinking of what you're selling, not as a sales thing, but like, I know I help people. And I know I really help a lot, a lot, you know? And so I'm not selling my product. I'm offering to help people. And when I think of it that way, the marketing side of it doesn't seem scary or gimmicky or icky at all. Oh, God, I love that point. And I try to express that on my uh, Substack, Get Your Book Seen and Sold, because you really aren't selling anything. You're sharing a message. You're sharing, yeah, yeah valuable information. And we all love to read a good book. We all love to listen to a story on a podcast. So why would our listeners not want that same thing? And I just feel like if you offer it, like, hey, here's what I have to offer. If people don't want it, they can say no. You know, we need to start being so fearful of the no. Um, I heard this once too from someone again, smarter than me. And she said, you need to get a lot of no's because if you're getting a lot of no's, it means you're getting a lot of yeses. Mm. And if you're not getting very many no's, you're probably not getting very many yeses because you're not asking enough. And I think we need to get away from being afraid of the no and just, just ask and just put ourselves out there. And some things work and some things don't work. Um, but then we just get up the next morning and we try something different. Yes. But make no mistake. I mean, that that takes time, you know, to come up. So I'm curious, how did you come up with your list, your target audience? Yeah. So so with the podcast, I knew I wanted to be on podcasts to spread the word. And so because, yes, it does take time and you need organization. Um, so I just went through like who, you know, what shows have I been on before? What who people, you know, what people do I know that would love to swap? What new podcasts made my list have a time every single week when I connect with people? If they don't answer, you know, making marks and uh, making sure to keep that organized. The same thing with the customer. So how am I going to get this in front of people? Um, I should tell you, I have a very interesting initiative this year. I'm not going to spend a single cent on marketing. I'm trying, it's an experiment. Um, no more social ads, no more throwing money to the wind. I'm going to do this through network and connection and just go the old fashioned route. Like how we used to market where we just talk to people. 
and we just offer to help them. Yes. And so I'm keeping track of what that costs me in time. And I want to show my clients, like, here's what you can do on a zero budget. I think we can do a lot more than we think. So the same thing with customers, like, who do I know that would be interested in the book? So I have a free chapter. People can read the first free chapter. Lots of ways to get it in front of get it in front of the customer. So. I love that. We, you know, we I had an interview with um, John Kramer, who wrote 1001 Ways to Market Your Book. And yeah. it's, you know, just it's so thick. It's like Bible, like bigger than a Bible thick. And in the interview, he said the same thing. He said, I hate to spend any money on marketing. And you're right when you there's things that you can do. And, you know, you maybe you create a Facebook ad. And, and, and it, how do you know if it hits? But if you spend right. the time like you're saying, and I'd love for you to come back and tell us, you know, what you, you've come, you're, you know, put that down in writing and let let us yeah. know like what steps you took. Because, you know, throwing it out there, you know, to anybody, if you spend the time coming up with who really wants your book, who really needs to hear your message, and target those folks directly, you don't need to spend, you know, 150 bucks on an ad that no one's going to see on Facebook, you know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, so I have a free Facebook group, and there's like 1500 inventory based business owners in there 1500 we look at i need new people when we have people right in front of us who have already told us they want what we have to offer so i've been every day slowly dming a group of them about 10 to 15 as many as facebook will let me do in a chunk hey i have a book coming out can i send you a free chapter nice. some of them don't respond some of them do respond but why i just thought why spend money going to find new people when i have this beautiful warm audience in front of me where I can just offer them something. So I'm doing some fun things like that. I'll report back to you on, on what works and what didn't. That would be awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for being yeah. with us. You can find Sierra Stockland at her website, Sierra, C-I-A-R-A, Stockland, S-T-O-C-K-E-L-A-N-D.com. And I'll have that in the show notes. Her brand new book is Inventory Genius Method. And you can find that on Amazon, as we talked about, ebook, print book, audio book. Thanks so much for being with us, Sierra. Thank you. Thank you. And you are listening to Stories and Strategies for Women. You're listening to Stories and Strategies for Women podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a review. Visit me at my website, ClaudineWalk.com. Drop me a note on Instagram at ClaudineWalk. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time.